Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to another Irish Examiner football show. I'm Larry Ryan. With me today is Peter McNamara. Today we're going to talk Chelsea with our terrace talker, Trizia Fiorellino. Um, and Lee Mackey will be along to talk about the referees who seem to be dominating the, um, the news again in the Premier League. Um, Pete, it was kind of a weekend when the lesser lights um, fought back a little bit in the Premier League. Yes. Um, uh, but the big game, I suppose, was your beloved Tottenham against uh, City. You got away with it again? Very, very much so, I have to say. Um, Man City were a far superior team, particularly in the first half. I thought they were really excellent. In fairness to Guardiola, he had his tactics spot on, pressed Spurs in, in, in the right areas. Danny Rose and Kyle Walker had minimal effect in the game, really. And given how effective they have been in recent weeks, that was definitely a feather in, in Guardiola's cap. Yes, City, you can just see that they are still shy of where he expected them to probably be even at this stage. I think he had high expectations of Guardiola. Guardiola expected them to be even further along the line than they are. They really are. They, like they played well for long periods the other night, but you could see that... I think it's, I saw a stat this morning that Brav, Bravo in... In the last two matches, has had six shots at him and conceded six goals. Yeah, doesn't see so, any saves in there. Was, was yeah, yeah, like you know, just defensively, I think Tottenham had we just say two or three decent chances in the second half and pegged back a draw to it. You can't really do that at that level if you want to be certainly winning titles, which is what Man City aspire to to be to be champions. Certainly not going to happen the way they are. They are the at the back. They're Otamendi. He is a decent player. But he seems to be the kind of guy that can explode at any moment and mm. do something very rash. And, you know, John Stones have no fit in whatsoever. He was an overrated defender I've seen in a long, long time, despite his inexperience. So it's hard to know about City. But they were good, though, in fairness. I mean, they, they were, were good, good, yeah. but And they it, were good in, in, in the same way as they were, they were much better than Chelsea when they played Chelsea as well. Yeah. Um, and for, for But in saying that, when they played Chelsea, if that De Bruyne goal went in, they could have smashed Chelsea. Was that kind yeah. of, there was that kind of... It was going that way, but what? That's probably what. Would, if I was a Man City supporter, that's probably what would concern me. How brittle they are. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of um, bit of the arsenal about them in that way. But at the same mm. time, you could see that uh, if if Pep continues what he's building, that they should be much better next season. Well, absolutely, jeez, absolutely next season. But one thing I would say, an absolute positive for them. I thought Gabriel Jesus was. Very, yeah. very, very effective yeah, when he came out. Made an impact. Yeah. I have to say, he looks like a really lively customer, and he's a bit brash as well, which you need to, to survive in the Premier League if mm. you're if you're a youngin, as they say. And could be definitely one to to kick on. Leroy Sané showed 
patches of, flashes, of yeah, yeah where, where they can go with him as well. And in fairness, look, there's no doubt about it. Kyle Walker pushed Raheem Sterling. I'm not sure how the line, lines man missed it, whatever with the referee. And to be fair, that would have probably put them three one up against ten men, and it was it was they were home and hose. So, not all negatives by any stretch of imagination for City, but it would concern me how when teams go against them that they don't have this kind of mental fortitude to withstand kind of potential pressure in the next quarter, 15, 20 minutes after things go wrong for them. They seem to kind of like mm. throw their hands in the air and say, oh no, you know what? They kind of what about yeah. what about why us kind of thing, and that's not going to help them. But anyway, look, it looks like Chelsea are probably um, pulling away with it now. Um, so we'll, we'll talk to our um, our Chelsea correspondent for the Irish Examiner, um, Trizia Fiorellino. Um, so Trizia, it's more or less a, a lap of honour for Chelsea from here on in, I'd take it? No, not at all. No one's counting any chickens at the moment because we're not really playing to the best of our ability. I think a lot of us fans will feel far more comfortable after the next two league games because I think that will really give the measure of whether we are contenders or not. The, the Liverpool games and the Arsenal game where we both where we lost both games were um, a bit of a punch in the gut for a lot of Chelsea fans and I think well, I, I myself am very fearful of these games. I'm hoping that Conte learns some lessons and that uh, we'll approach the games in a very different manner. If we get something out of those games, and I'm hoping that we win at least one, then perhaps I will feel a lot more confident. Yeah, it's funny. Chelsea haven't been great in the big games this season. They've been very consistent in all the other matches. But how do you think it might change it? Obviously, there's, well, obviously, there's a different formation. Well, obviously, now, the yeah. Arsenal game was the big catalyst yeah. for his changing tactics, and mm. uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see how the, the, the three at the back will fare against Arsenal. Because I think the other thing we've got to remember is against Arsenal, we, we had John Terry in, in the back four, and you know he he, he didn't fare well. I mean, at the, at the, he he is beginning to show his age, and Arsenal have got a lot of really quick players, which is something else that. We haven't got we haven't got a lot of quick players. So whenever we do play a, a team that's that's fast, I, I I'm, I'm not particularly comfortable. So I'm hoping we'll have seen we'll see something that Conte will change in terms of trying to um, contain that speed. Um, but as I said, it, it's very difficult to predict what he's going to do. Mm. They did seem to opt a bit more for containment against Spurs I thought the, the, the three in the back sort of became five at the back a little bit at times do you think they could have showed a bit more adventure against Spurs I, I, honestly I really don't know I think again um, Tottenham are very young side very quick um, mm. they came at 100 miles an hour um, I'm not sure if perhaps in the first part of the game against Arsenal we'll see what Arsenal have got in their locker room before we decide how exactly we're going to play. It's going to be interesting to see who he puts in that midfield as well because um, I think Kante and Matic obviously play a great part in containing teams and and protecting the the back three. But equally, when Fabregas came on yesterday, we looked far more at ease on the ball. We gave Mm. the ball away less. But... So, but I think he will probably start with Kante and Matic, and then if it needs to be, he will bring Fabregas on. Yeah, he doesn't seem to quite trust Fabregas. Do so you want to come in there, Pete? Yeah, Chizzy, I just want to know, I suppose, you mentioned there about the adventure of some teams, but I suppose the fact that you're eight points ahead of Arsenal and ten points ahead of 
Liverpool. Do you not think though that Klopp and Wenger might be some way cautious in the way they approach those games, knowing that defeat and it's good night, Irene? Well, they've got nothing to lose. Eight points is, is a bit of a gap, so I think they've got to go for it. And I think mm-hmm. you know that may may come to our advantage, may not, as I said, because uh, we may not be able to contain them. But I, I certainly think Klopp will come at us. He will come to win the game. Yeah. He will come out all guns blazing. I think Wenger may be a little bit more cautious, but uh, no, I think I think Klopp's going to come out for us. Trudia Acosta got a good reception by all accounts uh, yesterday. Um, are Chelsea kind of Chelsea fans just sort of immune to this kind of stuff that they don't really react to it, or do they believe it, or or is there a sort of a, almost a perfect you know that we think this is just the media kind of getting at us again, or, or what's the feeling there? Yeah, a lot of people think that we Chelsea fans are paranoid, but it's <laughs> the hard way that to, to not really trust what what goes out in the papers. And when the Costa story came out, um, I think none of us really knew what to make of it until we'd heard from people involved. And you know, people like uh, Conte and a lot of the players came out and said that two and two had made six. So it was going to be interesting when 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 Costa got back into the side. He obviously got back into the side. Uh, the, the moment that he could effectively mm. now I think there was something happened there you know I, I'd imagine his agent is 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 looking to get him a, a better contract but I, I don't think at any point he was really on the verge of going to China not this early in his career yeah I do, I sort of related to that um, kind of Chelsea have become sort of known I suppose in recent years for, for leaks coming out of the club do you, yeah. think, do you think this was another leak coming out of the club? And if so, is that would that be a worry that maybe you know the idea was that Conte kind of had shut down this kind of stuff? Um, but this sort of suggests there's still a little bit of uh, bit of something there, maybe. It, it, that's an interesting question because it's something that I, I'm really worried about because it seems that whoever the manager is there, there seems to be this constant leak. Now, um, there, there were lots of rumours as to who that was last season and you know there, there was all the stuff with Mourinho. But I think given that this leak now seems to be so long it's got to be one of the uh, I think one of the auxiliary staff or one of the coaching staff I think that is proved by the point that I think they knew something had gone on but I don't think they knew the details of what had gone on and I think the papers then sort of t- took this kernel and, and made it into something bigger than it particularly was yeah. so I, I think there is a leak there and it is worrying and it's something that the club needs to close down but I think as long as Conte trusts his players and that seems to be the case. I think. I think we'll be okay. So you you wouldn't be particularly worried about Costa, uh, and there being a sort of a repeat of last season's, let's say, uh, not quite downing of tools, but um, half-hearted efforts. We'll say for for part of the yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, last season was a bizarre season, and, and no, you know, no one really is telling us what happened. I think. I think the players played their part, but Mourinho obviously played his part as well. Um, I think it's very interesting to, to listen to the players this season talk about how Conte listens to them, takes their opinions on board, obviously suggesting that Mourinho didn't. Um, I think Mourinho had a crisis last year, a personal crisis by, by, what, by what I can see. But again, I don't think the players helped him. Um, I think this season, 
will be very interesting at the end of the season because we've often been told that Costa hasn't settled in this country, that he, he gets homesick, which is also which also made me laugh when the thought of him going to China, you know, if he gets homesick <laughs> for Spain yeah. in the UK, mm. he's not going to fare very well in China. But um, he seems to be far more settled this season. He seems to be happier. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, as I said, it was just wranglings over you know, more money for the for the season. Um, they all seem far fitter, um, especially Hazard and Costa. Yeah. So I'm hoping we, we don't see the same shenanigans that we did last season at any point. Trisley, I think you made a, a really good point in your Irish Examiner column today. I'm just going to read out the, 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 the line. I'm not saying that Conte is necessarily a better manager than Mourinho, but that issues may not escalate as they did with a manager who has played the game at the highest level as opposed to one who hasn't. Do you want to elaborate on that? I think it's a very good point. Yes, I think I think Conte, uh, he's, he's a very different man. They, they both have a steely edge. But I think Conte um, is a man that's willing to listen to other people, that's willing to take on board what his players say to him. He's obviously been a player where Mourinho wasn't. So I think he understands how um, a small issue can affect the squad as a whole. Mm. And... You know, it, it doesn't just affect the player that you have a particular issue with. It will affect, you know, those players that there's cliques within dressing rooms. They have friends within their dressing room. And I think if a, if a team sees a particular player being treated badly, you will obviously think, you know, well, this could happen to me or we think it's unfair, the manager's being unfair. And I think Jose didn't care about stuff like that. Jose seems to identify his his squad, the players that he needs when he goes into a new club, and the rest become irrelevant. And that obviously leads yeah. to, to problems, especially when you then need to call upon those, those players, whether it be through suspensions or, or injuries. And I think that's where Mourinho really could learn a few lessons. I mean, seeing him now go to Man United and effectively treat Schweinsteiger the way he has I think it's been really poor so yeah. it, it seems that he doesn't learn those lessons whereas I think um, Conte is more of a, a people person he understands the dynamic of a dressing room and how those players can react to the way he manages I think I suppose an obvious case in point there is Victor Moses isn't it? Victor Moses I mean it, it's something that um, again uh, Conte has done in the past. Uh, Giacarini was a, a player that wasn't really highly considered, mm. um, and Conte took him and, and, and made him a pivotal part of not just the, the you know domestic team but of the national team as well. And I think he's done that with Victor Moses. I mean, I, I'm not a Victor Moses fan, but Victor Moses is playing to the very best of his ability. And mm. in previous years, we've seen him do okay in pre-season friendlies, but then he's obviously ta- tailed off to the point where the managers haven't considered him for a regular place. Under Conte, I'd imagine Conte is, is the kind of manager that would mentor a player, that would inspire a player. And that's what he's done with Moses, and he's getting the best out of what I would call uh, just a workman-like player. Tracy, we, we, we've seen your your love affair with Mourinho over many years in the pages of the Examiner. Um, <laughs> I'm beginning to get the impression you've found love again with this fella. Oh, I fall in love totally with this fella. Um, I think it, it's it's just 
as a fan, it's great to see someone with such passion, and it's yeah. what I loved about Mourinho as well. Mm. I mean, you want someone to feel what you feel when when you're when you're in those stands, when you see a goal, you, you want to see someone's heart explode when that ball hits the back of the net. And Conte does that and more. And when you see him talking, um, you know, but press conferences, he's so honest, he's so humble, he. I don't know, he's the whole package for me. Well, from outside Chelsea, I suppose, looking in, it would seem you have a manager now who, who while, will possibly be as successful as Mourinho, we don't know yet, but he's not necessarily making it all about himself as we might have seen in the past uh, with, uh, with Jose. Would that, be, mm. would that be harsh? No, I, I think that's totally fair. I, th- I think, um, I think it's, it's a little harsh on Mourinho in terms of, I think, uh, as I've said a number of times in the past, a lot of the time when Jose made it about himself, it was to distract attention from the team. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, he, he was always at his worst when the team hadn't played particularly well or they'd lost. Um, so, you know, you, you do have to take that in mind. But I do think Conte, um, is, is, he think he's far more measured. He thinks about things. He understands that um, the smallest thing could affect the team. So he, he does take everything into account. He he realises that to win to win leagues, it, it's not all about the manager or all about one or two players. It's about the team as a whole. And his ethic, you could see, is built around that. And it's good to see. Trezia, just as was as someone that has followed Mourinho's career, um, and he's obviously at United now, but do you think, as an individual, he's lost a bit of a spark or a bit of his love for the game? Because, you know, obviously years ago, he was a younger manager, I suppose, wet behind the air, so to speak, and he was getting that goal that Porto got against at Old Trafford, and he ran down the touchline, that iconic kind of image. But nowadays... Mm-hmm. Even when they get a goal with United and stuff, that he doesn't seem that kind of put out. You know that he doesn't like you're on talking about the passion that Conte shows in the lane. That's that's kind of gone from Mourinho, hasn't it? I think he does look like a jaded individual, and mm. I, I I don't know why that is. I mean, I think I think the last few years he's always been. You know, he was successful almost from from day one, and then to go through this this period where he's not been successful, I think he's found that very difficult to deal with. It's not something he's, he's ever had to deal with, and mm. he's struggling with it. And, you know, as someone that's, I think, very hard on other people, I think he's very hard on himself. Has he fallen out of love with the game? I mean, yeah, he does. He, he very rarely looks happy these days, mm. and, and I think that's really sad to see. Um, I think... I think he's at his best when he's at a club where success has been little and and, and, and far between. You know, uh, Porto, whoever thought they could win the Champions League, yet he did that. Chelsea hadn't won the league for 50 years. You know, when he went to Inter Milan, although they'd, they'd had great glories in the past, they hadn't for quite a long time. And I think there he is able to inspire people because... Because these, a lot of these players haven't had success for quite a long time or ever in their career, I think they're, easy, they're more easy to inspire. I think since he's been at Man United, effectively at Real Madrid, and even at Chelsea the second time, these players have experienced success. And yeah. I don't think they rely on him mm-hmm. as much. And I think, I think he finds that hard. And I think he finds it hard going through this period at the moment. And... You know, I don't know if it's something he's going to recapture. I think I would actually like to see him go to another club that need him, not that can afford him, yeah. and see if that sort of rekindles his passion. 
Yeah, it's a good point. It's kind of harder to engender that sort of us against the world thing at clubs like Real Madrid and, and Man United. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, so finally, Tracy, who who do you think might be your biggest threat from from here to, to winning it? Well, if you'd asked me last week, I'd have said Liverpool. Um, I, you know, I think there's a. You know, there's, there's three clubs that you know that are, are, are being touted as being our, our biggest um, threats, and they are obviously Tottenham, Arsenal, and Liverpool. But Tottenham and Liverpool do seem to drop the odd points here and there, whereas Arsenal, by fair means or foul, shall I say, <laughs> often uh, do get that 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 win. So um, I will say Arsenal, but I will have an eye on Liverpool. I think Tottenham will will bottle it again. <laughs> I've, I've given them the impetus to not do it now, haven't I? Yeah, well, Pete's a Tottenham fan here, so he's uh, he's biting his lip there. But uh, listen, that's that's um, that's perfect, Trizzy. Thanks a million for that. Thanks, Trizzy. No worries. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Right. Now we have Liam Mackey in the line, Irish Examiner, uh, football correspondent. Liam, the referees seem to have, uh, even though it was, it was a good and exciting weekend of Premier League action, the referees seem to have dominated the um, the news agenda again. Um, is it a bit unfair on them? Do you think, or are we being a bit too harsh on them at this stage? Or are they are they making too many mistakes? Um, I, my, in, 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 basically, I think I think people are too harsh on referees. I mean, this, this is a it's a big issue in the game. Like, there clearly there are occasions when referees make errors and, and linesmen make errors, and they're just kind of baffling because it's pretty obvious. I mean, just just an example yesterday. Out, out of the many was Kyle Walker's push on Raheem Sterling. Mm. Um, it was absolutely clear. Um, Sterling lost his balance, kept going. There's no doubt, I think, that if he'd actually gone down, he would have gotten the penalty. Whether he stayed up or went down should be immaterial. It was a foul in the box, and not only that, Walker should have had a red card. So that's just an example of the officials somehow not seeing something which they should have had a very, very clear view of. It wasn't a credited box, there wasn't any mitigating circumstances like that. Um, so on occasions like that, you say they just got it wrong and uh, they're not, you know, you're not victimising officials to say that, you're simply pointing out that they didn't do their job right. The bigger picture is, I think, referees, and this is an old bear of mine, and I know uh, it rubs some people up the wrong way, but I think they badly, in the modern game, they're badly in need of the assistance of video technology. Um, and I can, I'm afraid, Larry, I can bore for Ireland on this subject. <laughs> you can just tell me to shut up when you want me to. But yeah. fundamentally, my view of it is this, that it seems ridiculous that uh, someone sitting, you know, a hundred, a thousand, however many miles away, watching in the comfort of their sitting room or on their bar stool, Watching a live game on TV with now, as you know, multi-camera angle, super slow-mo, all the rest of us, all the technology that's available, it's available to everybody looking in from the outside and it's not available to the match officials. And that seems absolutely daft to me because I think the game, the game suffers because the fundamental principle of all sport and football is no different is that you should reward merit. And just to pick another smaller example, it wasn't a big talking point out of the weekend, but it illustrates the point. Uh, in, the, in their win over Hull, Diego Costa got a goal and was flagged offside. Um, now, you know, to, to spring an offside trap requires perfect timing, perfect pass, 
the player getting onto it, making sure he's right side, timing his run, and then the finish. And all that was in that one little cameo. It was just a little small slice of perfection. And it was punished. Actually, Merritt was punished because, well, I, I, I don't think this is uh, in any way meant as a very harsh criticism of, of particularly linesmen, and, and, and I think they have a particularly difficult job when it comes to offside. Players are so quick, and the movement of the ball is so quick, and their timing in situations like that is so good, it's split-second stuff, that I simply think the human eye can't, can't get it right uh, most of the time. Okay. Uh, and so, I, as a principle, I think, I know steps are starting to be taken by FIFA, and they move slowly and mysteriously, but I think they're heading in the right direction. I think the use of the video ref is something that the game has long needed, and, and I, I'd welcome it when it eventually comes in. I'm just um, I'm just wondering how you see it working in an ideal world because taking the example say of the Arsenal winner yesterday mm. which turns out probably was marginally offside um, mm-hmm. but I mean uh, Deutsch obviously thought uh, he initially protested ran to, ran to the official because he protested because it wasn't a penalty or he thought it wasn't a penalty mm. so if the, if the referee goes upstairs and he says um, can you check if that was a penalty um, and he goes upstairs and he checks it was a penalty and yeah that was a penalty but it was offside as well like can he check at that stage if it was offside you know um, mm. well or, I don't see I don't see any reason why not I mean uh, first of all I will say look in terms of the mechanics of this and, and how it's deployed it, there's a lot of working out to be done and I'm not going to pretend that you couldn't throw up any number of instances and I'd have to think about it and think well how would that actually work in, mm. in, in practice I mean, the first point I'm making is that the principle has to be agreed to begin with, yeah. uh, and we're not we're not close to that yet by any means. Even though it was introduced and, and trialled at the World Club Championships recently, the example you gave there, since you brought it up, my instinct on that would be that if there's a video ref who looks at that, will say, "Oh, it was offside." What happened next in a sequence of events is irrelevant to the first mm. fundamental. Um, uh, foul or, or, or well, true of course uh, yeah that's true was. so in that instance again I, I, you know I think a common sense approach needs to be taken if, if if you and I can watch it on TV at a distance and see that that was the case within 30 seconds or a minute I don't see why that uh, knowledge shouldn't be made available to the officials to act on I suppose uh, the Liam um, just a logical kind of extension of that though let's say right um he goes up for the he goes up for the foul, checks the foul, sees an offside, so he cancels the he cancels the penalty. But at the same time, the Chelsea goal yesterday, there was a foul maybe took place about a minute before the before Chelsea scored. Um, so in that case, let's say that goal was marginally offside. He goes up to check if it was offside or not, but he but he rewinds and he sees a foul, you know, thirty seconds earlier. What what does he do? How far back well, do, you, do you go? Yeah, you know? but again, I think I I I think the mechanics of this have to be thought through very very carefully. For example, the decision is going to have to be made as to what priority is given to the use of the technology in terms of the seriousness of the foul or its significance in the game. So, for example, it could be that it's either uh, an immediate goal-scoring opportunity or a goal or an incident in the penalty box. Seem to me to be very obvious ones where the video technology clarifies stuff that either the refs fail to see because of a crowded box or, or it's too quick for the human eye or whatever the issue is. And, and again, I come back to, to the principle, just to illustrate what happened in that uh, 
World Club Championship recently. Now I know it's in the competitive sense, it's not it's not a big tournament. It's kind of bragging rights and glamour for your Real Madrid and so on. It's never never taken off in the way that the the South American or the European uh, club championships have. And I think that's the reason they trialed it out. It's kind of high profile without actually being massively significant in the great scheme of things. But there were two incidents in the semi-finals. The first time this was ever used in a game of, of that sort of magnitude was uh, a semi-final between a Japanese club and the Colombian Telegram uh, Nacional. And there was a free kick went into the box and it was cleared. And when the video referee looked back in it, you know, pretty much instantly had instant access to it, he saw that on the far side of the box, as the ball was floated in, there was a striker for the Japanese club, uh, Kashima Antlers. He was making a move towards the ball, and he literally got shoved to the ground by the defender. And because it was slightly off the ball, in the, in the sense that the cross was out, the free kick was on its way in, the referee hadn't seen us, the, the fourth official hadn't seen us. And it was spotted, and a penalty was given, and the penalty was scored. The, the second semi-final got slightly more attention because it involved Ronaldo. And he had a goal disallowed for uh, an alleged offside. And when it was reviewed, it was clear he was onside. And the goal was reinstated. Now, to me, the key point, whatever about how you work out all the mechanics, you can come up with any number of different incidents which make it here to apply. And I certainly accept that. And they need to be thought through carefully. But the fundamental thing here is on those two occasions, in that World Club Championship, the correct decision was arrived at. Mm, Surely that has to be the goal. And people can't be afraid of using the technology that's available. It's not like years ago. I mean, I've, I've no doubt that there were many contentious goals and dodgy goals and goals which were given which shouldn't have been given back in the day. But we didn't have all the camera angles and we didn't have all the super slow uh, video technology that we have now. So most of the time they just became debating points with no obvious conclusion. Now, in an awful lot of these incidents, we can come to an immediate conclusion that's a correct one. And I move has to be towards giving the, the referees on the pitch that same uh, information and knowledge that's now accessible to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. It seems daft to me that the people who are charged with responsibility for making decisions, which can have huge significance. I mean, obviously in terms of winning and losing and trophies, but in terms of relegation and money and one other things, it seems to me that charging those people with that big responsibility within the game and denying them access to something that's readily available to people with no say in the outcome seems to me to defy logic. I suppose the, the mechanics of it is de- is definitely the issue. I was just thinking there as I was speaking, and I agree 100%. I cannot for the life of me understand why it's not utilised now. But say, for example, something like you mentioned there about instances around the area, that probably would be the only way something would work, really. Because I was just thinking there a little earlier, like if, if, if they wanted to bring in a scenario where red cards were an issue and you had an instance where a player got a second yellow card, but we say the first instance... It was not a yellow card, but the second one was. And, you know, you've, you've all acted to containment as well, don't you? I mean, yeah. you'd want to keep it kind of... You really want to keep it scaled down to... Maybe what it is, they'd have to get, define in some way what a game-changing incident would be or somehow define that, maybe. Well, my fear, Liam, is... The truth is, I don't think that's that hard to define because if you mm, take the weekend matches in the Premier League, you take uh, when, when League of Ireland resumes, you take a European Championship World Cup Finals... We're all pretty much agreed on what the game-changing incidents, <laughs> yeah, and the controversial, and contentious incidents are. It's, it's 
not like we have to struggle to find out what they are or think should we include that other one with that marginal. We all know what the big incidents are because we debate them endlessly. They're rerun on TV. Look, Rihanna, you know, hate to bring it up again, but there was a classic <laughs> example. Yeah, uh, and funny enough, uh, I was re-reading stuff about that incident this morning. And it was one of the first times that people who previous, and not surprisingly perhaps, because of so much sympathy for, for Ireland in, on, on the night in, in Paris, but it was one of the first times that people who had previously been totally opposed to the idea of uh, video technology being used suddenly began to warn to her and say, well, this is just so wrong. It's so crazy that something as big as this could be decided on what was fundamentally an error by the match officials. I'm not going back to the, the I think Henri just did what any player would do in the circumstances was instinctive. But he wasn't spotted by the people who were charged with spotting these things and taking action. And of course, had they got had Martin Hansen, I mean you think as well for I, I think this will help referees. I mean Martin Hansen, the guy who refereed that game in Paris went through, well, I mean, not, not to overstate him, he went through a pretty traumatic yeah. Yeah, experience sure. as a result of that. He, his family was abused, uh, he himself broke down in the dressing room and cried when he finally saw the footage, and you just think that that could have been avoided. And people say, oh well, you know, it, it'll disrupt the game. Well, well, yes, it will disrupt the game. But they quite easily forget how, how long was the game disrupted that night before it would kick off again, because I was there, and I remember Shay Given chasing Hanson halfway around the Stade de France. <laughs> and that certainly took 30 seconds to a minute or more. Yeah, yeah. It was clear to everybody watching on TV, as, as it had been to the Irish players in the box, that uh, they'd been a real miscarriage of justice in the awarding of that goal. That's uh, a fair point, Liam. I just fear, I just fear we're, we might be just going down a rabbit hole, you know, and turn, I mean, rugby's a bit of a mess, and I mean, not more of a mess than it normally is, but I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> I mean, I did, as far as I can see, every time I turn on a rugby game, there's two fellas chatting about something that went down on television. And, uh, you I mean, could have some media sources come out with alternative facts about what happened, what actually happened. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> a referee doesn't want to make a decision at all in rugby. I mean, but uh, but look, we might move on. I mean, do you find? Uh, I, I suppose in in a way, we've been make, made celebrities out of these guys because there's only there's so few of them for starters, and there seems to be so few of them that the Premier League will trust with the actual big games. Do you think they should broaden it out and bring in a few foreign guys, maybe, or um, you know, chase the top Champions League referees to to ref the, the top players? Yeah, well, in principle, I, I don't see I don't see why not at all. If, if the players can be brought in from all over the world, then, then why not the referees? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think by and large, I, I, to be honest with you, there there are a few prima donnas, and you know, probably know who they are, and the laws of libel prevent us from naming them. There's a few who you think, right, they're centre stage and. And that's really important to them. They want to be seen to be centre stage, and they want to take uh, decisions that draw attention to themselves. And that's that's not a good thing, you know. That often dumb cliche about when you haven't noticed the ref yes. uh, has done a good job is is actually true to a large extent. But I do generally have a lot of sympathy for them. I, it baffles me, I have to say. It, it, and I've spoken to a number of referees, and they told me about how they loved the game and. You know, they got so far as footballers realised they weren't going to go all the way and, and then they, they, they wanted to stay on in the game and so they became rest. But it still baffles me why anyone would want to do the job. That's true. Uh, I, I really think you, you put yourself out uh, in such an exposed way. Uh, the abuse you get on the ground, the abuse you get on social media now, the forensic dissection that happens, you've got ex-pros saying you're, you're a terrible game. I mean, it's... 
it's pretty thankless. Uh, and I'm glad that they do it. Uh, I'm glad that still people, uh, even though it baffles me, you want to go and do that job. Um, and and it, you know, again, just just returning to my point, I think they they need I think they need help. Uh, some of them, in fairness, might think they don't, and maybe they're part of the problem. But I think I think for the good of the game, we should give them every assistance that we possibly can, and we're not doing that. And I think the game suffers. And I, I don't buy into this thing. I, I mean, I enjoy debating contentious issues as much as anyone else, but there's this kind of view that that's part of the game, and if we lose that, uh, we've lost something of the soul. So, but kind of nonsense. It's, it's as I say, it's a sport. It's about rewarding merit. And when, when you still punish transgressions, and, and on the other hand, you uh, inadvertently or, or otherwise uh, damn merit and quality, then we've got all wrong. And uh, the means are there now to do something about it. And I fully accept it will take a lot of details, which is what I thought the, the international body that uh, has governments of the game are doing in fairness. Liam Comey cynical, but do you think maybe that TV broadcasters wouldn't be too, uh, wouldn't exactly be forcing the issue for fair? We would reduce the number of controversies. Obviously, we reduce that, and therefore make it less interesting. Uh, well, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I, I, they, they, they might, uh, they might. There is, there is also. I mean, I know uh, Larry saying there. You know, if it turns on the TV. Started having a chat on a rugby pitch. Uh, it might be Eric Slightly. <laughs> I know I'm not a rugby expert, but it might be Eric Slightly on, uh, on uh, in terms of overstatements. But I, I do think actually that the, the video technology in rugby, to some extent, has added to the drama of the thing. Mm. Uh, when it is called into play with the sort of holding a breath and waiting to see uh, what exactly the outcome is, and did they get a rise? Does it shine with the crowd view and so on and so forth? Um, I look at, I, I, you know, TV has enough power in football as it is. If they have to, you know, uh, take one on this and, and their product is just slightly less uh, overloaded with bells and whistles than currently is, so yes, you know, the game is more important, though it doesn't seem like that, but the game is more important than the TV uh, coverage of it. It might be the ideal opportunity to slot in a few more ads, really, I suppose, in fairness. <laughs> oh God, I've gone down the road again. Super Bowl. <laughs> And then the ads will get so bad we'd be holding up the game for the ads. The serious point is I, I don't believe yeah, this has to be used judiciously and, and only for the really obvious and you know, we, we things we touched on earlier, goals and disallowed goals and stuff like that, the goal scoring opportunities. Um, and it, it you know, as often as not, when those things happen, there's such uproar anyway that in the 30 seconds to a minute that it takes for everyone to calm down and get on with it uh, before we rewind it and revisit it hundreds of times after the game. Um, in that time, it, it very easily have, have the, the VT up for the ref or the, assist, the, the video ref, however they decide to choose to, to do it, to check it and, just, and then get on with the game. It's not, it's not going to result in these yawning chasms of waste of time during, during the 90 minutes. I don't, I don't see it at all. Fair enough, Liam. Listen, we'll leave it there. Thanks a minute for that. No worries, thank you. Uh, there was a couple of controversial decisions at the Emirates, let's just say, yesterday. Uh, Arsenal getting the victory against a side with the worst away record in Europe in the end. 
first of all, I suppose, as an Arsenal supporter yourself, do you find it a bit disconcerting watching them times and thinking, why do they make life so difficult for themselves? Yeah, they do seem to make a bit of a drama out of um, the routine, I think, was the headline in the, yeah. in the Examiner today. Yeah, that's, true. I think that, that's a fair fair, a fair assessment. I think that it looked like a more or less a stroll to victory there when um, before Xhaka jumped in on that tackle, yeah. They, they do make things... I, there's a, just a lack of, um, I suppose, uh, what do you call ruthlessness when they're on top of games. Mm. They don't seem to seem to put games away. The way they play, you can see them annihilating teams. They don't seem to do that that often. To be honest, I think yesterday there, watching them, um, it probably wasn't... No, it was hard to predict that before the game because you might have thought Burnley would do the do the traditional... Uh, park the bus. Park the bus job, but they didn't, in fairness to them. They, they pressed up the pitch, mm. played two up front, and... Um, so I don't think it was probably the day for uh, Giroud up front. It would have been a, more of a day for bringing him on half an hour to go when you were in trouble, you know. So now he was probably playing partly because Walcott is still injured, I suppose. But um, you know, I think it would have been more of a more of an occasion for uh, Sanchez running in behind him really than uh, Giroud up top because he doesn't have that kind of mobility, you know. So um, yeah, I, I they I, I thought they played reasonably well at the same time, you know. But then once the sending off happened. There's always a chance that, uh, that Burnley would um, would equalise, I suppose. So, Granit Xhaka, Stacker last night, he has nine red cards in the last three seasons. Well, we said two and a half, and it was obviously this season isn't exactly complete. That is not exactly that appealing statistics. He's had a lunge in his yeah. locker, all right, the lads, yeah, yeah. Well, he's been a bit unlucky this season. Well, I suppose he is unlucky. He's given away two penalties as well. Just yeah. to Arsenal have conceded seven penalties this season, more than they have in yeah. any other Premier League season. Six soft penalties, I think, is the, the yeah. proper stat there, Peter, you'll say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say Xhaka was unlucky to be sent off the first for his other sending off. I think John Moss, again, was the referee, probably... Yeah. Um, Invented a new rule that afternoon that doesn't seem to have been applied um, in the Premier League since. Uh, the sort of deliberate foul, black card almost. He almost gave him a black card in that game, didn't he? Um, don't see it applied too often to the Tottenham fullbacks. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, that was a bit silly yesterday, in fairness. I don't think you had any need to, to lunge in there. And I think it was, uh, Wenger might have called it a dark yellow last time he was sent off. I think that was um, a very dark yellow yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> to, the point of, to the point of bleeding into red, perhaps. All right, yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to be on this one. Oh, sure. No, no, let's stay, let's stay on point now. The let's tables have been turned here. Um, the incident, of course, that's going to get... We're definitely not going to hear the end of, on a serious note, is Wenger and his physical contact, as they were referring to it, <laughs> with the board official. Was there contact there? <laughs> Have we, have we the, have we the, no, well, of course, sounds like Wenger himself who says, I didn't see it. Of course, he didn't see it. Joke um, saying it was. Well, revolt, I know there's not a revolt from, um, on, on Twitter this morning um, wondering why there was a lack of outcry about it. He was, he was, he was mm. crying out for outcry, I suppose, really. Um, but, uh, and, and suggesting that if it was Mourinho or um, one of the other miscreants, that uh, we'd be making a bit more of a fuss about it. Uh, I think I think Anthony Taylor may have been encroaching on Arsenal's personal space there, and he just sort of uh, was an edge and back out of it, you know. Um, Unbelievable! Do you think, on a serious note, that it ever happened uh, out of the tunnel, and it was in front of the whole ground as such? Yes. That yeah. Maybe more would have been everyone kind of went, "Ooh, you know." Ah, uh, you can't do that. No, in fairness, I mean, you know, we talked about it with Liam there, and and, and uh, you know, you joke about about match officials and that, and. Uh, 
um, you know, the likes of Mike Dean um, kind of drawing attention to themselves. But in fairness, it's it's really the the guys who are refereeing on a Sunday morning at eleven o'clock who are the the real sort of um, yeah. victims of this kind of stuff. You know, so you don't really yeah, want to see true. that. Um, you know, they see the kind of behaviour, and I suppose they do. People, people think it's acceptable. You, yeah, you can't be putting your hands on the ref. I think maybe Wenger thought he wasn't on telly there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> He thought he was far enough down the tunnel that he could sort of edge him away, which is, which is no excuse, yeah. Um, but I do think he's a bit of history with both of those lads, uh, Anthony Taylor okay. and, um, and John Moss, wouldn't be the most popular of uh, visiting referees to yeah. the Emirates. Um, I kind of had to laugh at Sean Dyche a bit because even though, yes, I agree that the Arsenal, the, when they got the penalty, was, was offside, that mm. you know, not often does a team, uh, one of the lesser lights, go to a big club and get a penalty even though it was a penalty and a man sent off so yeah. it wasn't exactly as if they were totally railroaded by the officials no. all afternoon and I think Arsenal had a, had a, had a fairly blatant penalty earlier in the game yeah, that, that, that Moss ignored um, but uh, yeah well it was funny it was funny with Dyche and he, I mean, he charged after the fourth official as well protesting mm. uh, about what he thought wasn't a penalty but of course by the time he had seen the incident he had changed his protest to, to offside and it, and, mm. it, and it was offside so they were unlucky Will finally will Wenger get Reprimanded. <laughs> I'd imagine there will be some kind of <laughs> touchline ban coming his way, but I don't, I don't think Arsenal does a whole pile on the touchline anyway, bar make the odd complaint to the officials, you know. So step up Steve Ball there and give me give me his chance. That's all we've time for, I think, for today, Peter, is it? Um, it certainly is, yeah. Thank Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.